Welcome to the See Me Now special edition podcast. I'm Kelsey Coleman here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall, and we are joined today by acting director, Professor Ben Rigel and theater major Ian Rousey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And we have you guys here today because we have a really exciting performance coming at the end of October here called Guys and Dolls, a very popular show, a musical. Why Why are you guys choosing that to be your opening opening show for this uh, 2022 school year? Uh, well, the answer to that is, uh, to be honest, has changed a little bit. Uh, originally, when we programmed this season, we thought this was going to be the last show in the Robinson Theater. Um, and this show ticked a lot of boxes for us, which was that uh, it had roles that I thought would be, not not just me, that we thought would be great for uh, for the students that we were going to have. It has uh, really complex dancing, good singing. It's a golden age show. We thought the audience would love all of that, which is a lot of things that we're often interested in the first show of the season to kick everything off. And then when we thought it was also going to be the last show in Robinson, this seemed... Um, this seemed like to hit the right sort of note of celebration and nostalgia and all of that. Turns out we're going to be there a little bit longer, um, but that was really what led us. It's also, um, you know, our own personal tastes inform things, and it, when it looked like it was probably going to be me directing, the list of musicals that I'm really passionate about is a little shorter because I, I as a performer, don't do a lot of musicals. And so um, this is one that's been on my list for a long time, um, and it was a chance to work with Jeremy on a show that I knew that he would just crush the musical direction because he's so good with uh, with character work. Uh, and my wife, Georgie, is choreographing the show. And uh, yeah, that's how we met was her choreographing a show I directed. And um, she's wonderful. And it was just, it seemed like the right fit for all the talent involved, uh, students especially. And we should say um, the capital campaign is what you're referring to when we're talking about Rebuild Robinson. Yes. Um, which, yeah, is still happening. There's a lot actually going on with that project. Um, but we're excited to to be in Robinson this year. And uh, Ian, if you could kind of tell us what character are you playing and how did your audition go and why did you want to be involved? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm playing Nathan Detroit. He is uh, sort of the lead man of the show and he kind of gets things rolling, pun intended, uh, gambling, <laughs> rolling dice, haha. Uh, but, um, I, I auditioned for this role, uh, for a couple of reasons. One, um, I find, uh, characters that are boisterous and loud, uh, to be something that I'm comfortable doing, uh, just as a person. It's kind of who I am in every day. And so trans translating that to the stage is a little bit easier. Uh, <laughs> um, and also it's, uh, you know, it's my senior year. It's a big role. I kind of wanted to shoot for the stars a little bit and it worked out. So... So there are hundreds, if not thousands, of musicals. Why do you think Guys and Dolls is this quintessential classic that I know when we announced the season, I have my own you know, friends in the community who were so excited. It's one of their all-time favorite musicals. What do you think it is about Guys and Dolls that makes it a classic? No, that's a good question. Uh, I'm sort of the cynic when it comes to some of the classic musicals that I'm not always a big fan of some of the Golden Age musicals. I struggle with some of them. Um, I don't know anybody who doesn't, who I've, don't, I feel like I've never heard a, a strong negative reaction to Guys and Dolls. Um, either it's somebody's favorite musical or it's one they like, or it's one they forget about and they go, oh yeah, I love that one. As opposed to, you know, a musical like, and I'm sorry if I offend anybody here, but like Oklahoma, which is not a favorite of mine. And I feel like that one always splits people up. You have people that love it and then people feel like me and just go, why would we do this? Um, 
no offense to Oklahoma lovers, if we do it in the future, it's a great show. Um, but, uh, you know, Guys and Dolls just seems like it's so likable. Um, um, and I think it, it, it's, uh, it's easy to digest. The, if you removed all the songs, the, the book, the play is really funny. The characters are fun. It has this great, you know, sort of Bugs Bunny sense of humor. You're watching, you know, sort of smart, smart, dumb people, clever, dumb people. Uh, get into scrapes. It's really fun. And um, and then if you took the book away and you just did the music, the music's fantastic. And it, it gives the opportunity for great dances. And so it's sort of, I, I feel like it's sort of the, <clears throat> sort of the ideal American classic musical to me, because it, there's, there's nothing not to like in it and lots to like. Um, and uh, uh, when I think of, when I think of a quintessential American musical for better or worse, I think of, I think of something that is fun uh, that has an element of celebration to it. That is that embraces the convention of its artifice and 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 lives it in a in a big way. And this to me is sort of the the perfect one. And it fits a style that our students have been working on a lot. This broad comic style. And so um, uh, I, I think I went pretty far afield from your question, but I'll wrap it there. No, I think that's perfect. And I guess we shouldn't assume that all of the listeners have seen or heard about Guys and Dolls before. So could you maybe take just a minute and talk through the plot line or the storyline of the musical? So if those that haven't seen it before, what they could expect if they attend um, the show later here in October? Uh, sure thing. Uh, Guys and Dolls mostly deals with uh, Nathan Detroit. That's Ian's character whose uh, profession is illegal. Uh, he runs an illegal uh, crap game that floats around to different locations and tries to stay one step ahead of the police. The pressure's on. His usual places aren't available. He needs $1,000 to host it in, uh, in this garage. This guy wants $1,000. Uh, so he's trying to get the money. And to get the money, he makes a bet with, uh, with the, the sort of local coolest gambler, Sky Masterson, who loves to bet on crazy things. And so he bets Sky that Sky can't take this uh, missionary, local missionary woman uh, to Havana. Sky says he could take any woman he wants with him. He could pick up any woman. And uh, so Nathan bets him $1,000. And then Sky has to try to take this woman to Havana and back. And Nathan's hoping it doesn't work out so he can get his money. And uh, hijinks and hilarity ensue. Sounds like a good show. <laughs> Did I miss anything, Ian? No, it sounds pretty good to me. The original production was on Broadway in 1950. Obviously, we're in 2022. Ian, I'm assuming you're somewhat, somewhere in your 20s. Correct, yeah. Do you think that these themes or archetypes are relevant today? Oh, for sure. Something I love about this show, I've, I've seen it before, um, is that it's, as Ben touched on earlier, it's just easy to like. Um, there's nothing really confusing. Uh, it is sort of just like a cartoon. These are characters that you are familiar with and could see, and they're put into a situation that you can empathize with because you know these characters. You know, you've seen a slimy gambler before. You've seen an impatient fiancé or an impatient uh, girlfriend. You know, they're, they're, they aren't... There's nothing very complicated about this show, but I don't think that's a hindrance. I think that's by design. Um, and it isn't a, a commentary on how it's written, because I think it's written very well. Uh, but there's there's nothing really deep about it. You go and you laugh and you have a good time and you feel good at the end. Everyone ends up happy. Um, I, and I don't I don't know if there's anything else to really say about it. I think that it's just it's just easy to easy to ingest. And how 
how are you training? I mean, I can't imagine singing and dancing and remembering all these lines. Like I'm clamming up just thinking about it. How are you training and how are you preparing to, to be able to deliver all these different pieces in, in the show? Um, it's, uh, you're giving it, I think, more credit than it actually is. You know, it is a lot to learn, but you learn songs in the car all the time. You learn, what you know, things for a test. It's the same thing. I have uh, quite a few lines in the show that I've been, you know, learning and such. Uh, but it's just what we do, you know, <laughs> at, at this point. Uh, it's just repetition. People can say that they have different strategies, but all that really gets it done is sitting down and going over it over and over again, and then eventually it's there. And once it's there, you have to keep doing it so that it can't not be there because there's no going back once you're out there. Um, well, and have you always been a dancer and a singer? Is that like your background? <laughs> I've not always been a dancer. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, so I grew up as a, as a kind of a sports kid until high school. Um, and then I was in one choir class and I kind of fell in love with it from there. And by my senior year, I was in six choir classes. Uh, and, and theater kind of came from that. And then it was what I loved and what I was good at. So I figured I might as well try to pursue it elsewhere rather than doing something that I didn't think I would be as good at or I didn't love as much, you know. Um, and so I've been doing it for eight years now. Will you remind me, Ian, are you an acting directing major? I'm an acting and directing major, yes. What do you think it is about CMU's program specifically that has helped mold you and shaped you into the actor, singer, dancer that you are today? Um, so something I particularly love, uh, not to boast anyone's ego in the room, but uh, I like that all of our faculty has um, sort of subsets of the art that they are particularly good at and they view it differently. Um, so while we have some professors that will look at things from a more, you know, how you feel inside, pushing that outwards, others can look at it more objectively and logically and physically as these are effective things you can do. If it's effective, why do you need to feel anything or whatever? Um, and we have certain professors that did certain things professionally, other ones that did other things professionally. And I think the fact that it's not all coming from one lane in a very diverse field is a good way to train our students in in a diverse way. And so if we have Ben, who's done a lot of classical work, a lot of Shakespeare in his day, as opposed to Jeremy, who a lot of his professional work was doing big musicals on cruise lines and stuff like that, you know, those are two very different fields. And having either of those opinions shaping you is a lot more effective for the students than just having one. And Ben, you mentioned that your wife, Georgie, is the choreographer for the show. Correct. How is that going? I mean, a lot of listeners probably are like, I could never work with my significant <laughs> other. But yeah, here you guys are doing an entire show together. Uh, oh, I, 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 I mean, I think most people probably shouldn't work with their significant other. Um, uh, no, we, I mean, that's how we met. We were on faculty together at a university down in Georgia. Uh, she was the... Uh, the dance teacher and the dance choreographer, and I was a young faculty member. We did our first show together, uh, and and so our professional relationship predates a romantic relationship. And so um, I say that partly because I I I, um, I think very highly of her work, but that that those thoughts were formed. You know, I mean, I, everyone wants to take everything with a grain of salt when it's your when it's your spouse, but in this case, you know, the way I feel about her her dance work. Um, uh, I feel about it regardless of whether or not I'm married to her. Um, she's pretty incredible. And what I, what I really find, and I've worked with a lot of choreographers, but what I, what I find so good about her work is um, she could just direct the show if she wanted to. 
Uh, she really does get to know the play. She gets to know the characters. Um, and she really thinks holistically about the show rather than just how can we highlight dance for five minutes, which sometimes I think um, uh, at its worst can happen sometimes in, in, in musicals. And so uh, uh, it's been great working together. It's been a while. We haven't had a chance in, in a while. Um, it, it's, it's funny. Everyone keeps asking how is it to work together. It's not as together as you think. It, it really is. She takes care of the dances while I'm working on other things, and it all comes back together. Um, so a lot of our working together is us just talking about design ideas and conceptual ideas. But it's uh, it's going well. She's she's you know I, I'm I'm being a smart director, which is I cast the right people and I get the right creative team, and then I take all the credit when it's all done. So uh, <laughs> I'm, it's all coming together exactly as planned. Speaking like a director. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So at CMU, we're working through our strategic plan called Forming the Future, and there's seven foundational values that we've been discussing as a university, both with students, with faculty, with staff, with community members. And some of those are values such as love, dignity, um, courage, resiliency. And I wanted to maybe take a moment to hit on resiliency, because when I think about guys and dolls, that's one value that stands out for me. I'm curious if you feel that same way when you think about guys and dolls, or if there's other foundational values that you think people will get from watching this musical. Uh, no, I think that is, uh, regard, regardless of, um, of, of even our foundational principles here, I think that is, if you have to hunt for a theme in a play like Guys and Dolls, which is light, and digestible and meant to be fun. Um, I think that is the theme. It's uh, you know, it's it was written in 1950, but it's born out of the depression. These stories are all depression era. It's about scrappy people getting the job done no matter what. You know, trying not to hurt too many people, but getting the job done. You know, trying to get that marriage to happen if you're Adelaide. Trying to get that crap game. Get it's just people in in the in the in this case the odds are funny, but the odds are always overwhelmingly against them, and it's all about pushing forward and pushing forward and making it funny. And so it's a big, um, I think that, if that that really is the takeaway. I don't think it's the, I don't think we want people going home and brooding over that, but I think that's the unconscious takeaway from this show is, is, is keep going, keep going and um, preferably with a joke. I like that because you don't often think sometimes I think of the lightheartedness or jokes that could get you through <laughs> some of the really hard times, but that is one way to develop a re- resiliency. And it's probably a really good lesson for our, our students that are participating in the, the musical as well as for some of our faculty members, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. And coming off, obviously, the last couple of years, <laughs> I think it's kind of, I think we're all, we're all feeling that. And I think we've had a real pull toward doing comedies and doing things that are about making light and life and humor out of um out of tough situations i think i think all of us on faculty have been drawn to more and more plays like that um over the last couple of years and it's been it's been nice and this one fits pretty perfectly for the costumes i mean it's set depression era in new york Mm -hmm. what can the audience expect from the the visuals and and the and the costumes and 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 the in the set what are we looking at there lots of colors it's uh Technicolor is the word we keep <laughs> yeah. using. Technicolor. Exactly. Um, I, I think that uh, be it Depression Era or whatever it technically is, we're kind of delving into a lot of... We're, we're picking and choosing what we take era-wise. But no, 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 I've got an answer for this now. I know exactly when it's set now, but we can come back to that oh, later. Oh, no, no, I've had to go mind, around the block mind. on this one, but no, we're going to keep going. Um, uh, but it, something that I think our costumes uh, like program particularly does well is is adds color in a way that isn't distracting but is useful 
Uh, and I think that sometimes costuming can get overlooked or be a little basic, and that's not what you're going to see with this show costume-wise, at the very least. No, there's a lot of thought being put behind, yeah. you know, what colors for what characters, what the color palette is, you know, trying to keep everybody in these really bright sherbet sort of pastel colors. And then with these pops of neon that we're trying to put into the set to really, you know, and then and then use the dark and the shadow as much as we can. We'll figure that out when we have lights. Um, but we're really trying to play with, you know, we have a we have a theater that has certain limitations and particularly technically. And so we're really trying to play with, you know, what do we have? We have a great costume team. Uh, and uh, so we're really trying to play with can we and and can we can we use the costumes and the dance to create the spectacle uh, and to use the color to do that, which Jill is so good at. I'm I'm a bit monochromatic sometimes in my own use of color, and so uh, Jill's really great about you know sort of pushing the um, the Technicolor envelope on this one and trying to make it make it almost look like it's. You know, when you when you watch Gone with the Wind or Robin Hood from the late 30s where the colors are all just a little, a little extra saturated, that's what we're going for. So we are less than a month out. Mm-hmm. I'm just going <laughs> to remind you both of that really quick. What's keeping you up at night, whether it's good <laughs> or bad, whether you're Ian, you're like, I'm ready to go. I want to be on the stage and, you know getting that feeling from the audience or, you know, Ben, if you're like, all right, we've got to really hone in on this scene or we've got to figure out the lighting, like what's keeping both of you up at night, whether good or bad? Um, I have sort of too many answers for this one. One, uh, you called me a dancer earlier, which I appreciate, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, it's, uh, it's something that I have not, um, had to do a lot in my time, and I do a lot in this show. Uh, a lot in this show. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> you rock it out. Uh, but uh, it's it's a challenge, and it's uh, will hopefully be rewarding soon. <laughs> I'm sure um, it will. <laughs> and so uh, the the dancing, the dancing lot for me, and it's also just we with the way that our season was set up and what we had planned for the Robinson did not have the time to get uh materials before the rehearsal process like we usually do and so uh i've been having to balance learning this uh relatively large part while still having a full class load and rehearsals every night and so just the the memorization the learning everything like we talked about earlier all the lines all the songs all the dances all the movement yeah, to um, clarify, everything else in the season has been cast. So all the later show students have their scripts and can learn the words before rehearsals begin. But we didn't have a chance to do that with Guys and Dolls. Yeah, which, so. it, which is, is, is nobody's fault. It just is what it is. But it uh, it has been it's been a lot, uh, <laughs> and I'm very very close. And then once that weight is off my shoulder, I think I'll be ready to go. But I am very very excited. Uh, I mean, it's it's what I love doing. So I'm really excited for the twentieth. Ben, what about for you? What's keeping you up at night? You know, I don't want to jinx things, but not the usual. Um, uh, I mean, I, I say this a lot when I direct musicals. You really share you share the leadership between the music director and the dance choreographer, and they've shouldered such a massive uh, amount of this show um, that it looks great. I mean, it just it looks great. I think that they sound great. Um, we, we they and and the dances look fantastic. I, I feel that's all going well. Uh, and, and the book work, the part, you know, I, I'm stitching together, it's all coming together quite nicely. So without wanting to jinx it, I feel like we're on track. The things that keep me up are, are boring stuff. It's just logistical parts. It's just trying to remember, uh, am I going to go to that podcast? Um, trying to remember to get my director's notes in, trying to remember how to do little things that you forget about. Like, oh yeah, we have to rehearse 
all those little bits of people walking between scenes to cover the scene change. You know, things like that. Those are the things that fall through the cracks in the last week you panic because they're all, they're all there. Um, so little, the cleaning up, the cleanup. You ever move out of a house? Yes. The furniture is mm-hmm. not the hard part. It's just the unending. There's always another corner with, with a drawer full of something you got to put into a box and none of it matches and you're just throwing it into. That's, that's, sometimes that happens, bat and clean up the last week or so before tech. Uh, so that's what keeps me up. It's just lists of little tiny minutiae. Well, Guys and Dolls is October 20th through the 29th. And students, of course, are always free to attend. Um, community members are also welcome to, to go get tickets at coloradomesa.edu slash tickets. And Ben, Ian, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited to see this show. And I know um, everybody listening is just going to run to Robinson to to get those so. seats. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This was fun. Thank you for listening to the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.